You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No as a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Matt and I will be your host. Uh, Today we're going to have a three for all with our usual hosts. We have Neil. Oh yeah. All right, Jeff. Hey. And Ken. Hey-o. Everyone's in a strange mood today, which sounds good. Good for you guys. I don't know about me and my questions. Um, So it's going to be just the three of them, one-on-one-on-one. here, let me break down the rules of the game. We have 20 questions in a variety of topics. We're 10 points apiece and split into two rounds. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by our host, me, where players can rack up some extra points. At the end of regulation, players run until the final round with the points they have accumulated and will have the chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I am the cream! Everybody ready to play the game? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready to tangle with these, with these gentlemen right here. All right. Well, let's get going. And we'll start with a kind of a dumb question. Uh, Little known fact, I love PB&J sandwiches. Sadly, there is no element with the symbol J. But if you were eating a PB&K sandwich based on their elemental symbols, what would this sandwich consist of? I'm in. Same Um, here. Same here. And then Neil? Uh, It's an element question. I know. My favorite. (laughs) No peeking, Neil. No, I think I know this one. I think next week when we come here, there's going to be a, a table of elements on the wall. <laughs> you could have done a <clears throat> peanut butter and fluff question. Yeah. That would have worked. Oh, I used to make uh, um, uh, crepes with uh, marshmallow fluff when I was in high school. That was because I loved like sugary things and it, it was full of sugar. It was good. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the peanut butter and uh, banana mm-hmm. sandwiches. Are you looking for the element name? I'm looking for the elements, not the name of the sandwich, which doesn't exist. Okay. Because you'd die. Because <laughs> you would die. I mean, it would not be a very... It might be tasty, PB&K, but yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't end well for you. Yeah. So um, for some reason, I was thinking potassium for like a banana, but I feel like that's a different letter, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and just from listening to you guys joke around over my head that you would die... Um, <laughs> Uh, let me let me think about this. PB. Like, what's the elemental symbol for bread? So potassium is K, and uh, PB is. Uh, this worked out right. better than I thought. Uh, We've uh, talked about this like eight times. <laughs> I, I believe know. last time Matt made a peanut butterium joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right. I, I, I guess I'll go iron and potassium. Ooh, okay. <laughs> By that sound, uh, Neil's in. That is a uh, very delicious lead and potassium sandwich. Mm-hmm. I said lead and potassium. All right. Points for Ken and Jeff. Although and... Neil is more on a like fluorine, uranium, carbon, potassium, uranium kind of kick right now. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, I tried to give you a hint by saying uh, I like the peanut butter and banana sandwich. As you know, bananas are rich in potassium. Yeah, potassium. Oh, I knew K. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it. I don't know what PB was. Yes. Well, well now you'll know for next time. Yeah. You won't. Comes yeah. from the Latin. Plumnum. Mm-hmm. If any one of our listeners would like to be my phone a friend, if there's a... a uh, any chemistry teacher. Chemistry. Yeah, any chemistry question, I'll, I will call you during sh- the show. <laughs> Tag you in. All right. Question two. This smoldering boxer handed Muhammad Ali his first defeat in the early 70s. That might be a clue. Yeah, I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I am in. All right. You said it was his first dis- uh, defeat? It was Muhammad Ali's first defeat in the early 1970s. Hmm. Jeff, are you in? I have two answers written. I have not decided. Yeah, I'm trying to think too. Because um, I just saw a stat about him, but I feel like it was uh, one of the last fights he won as Cassius Clay. But that's not going to help me here because it's whoever beat him. Um, Neil definitely overthinking it again. Yeah. So I'll just say out loud. I really don't care. I have Joe Lewis and Sonny Liston. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, none of that helps me with smoldering, though. I'm just going to go Joe Lewis. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I originally had Joe Frazier, uh-huh. and then I settled on Joe Lewis. Okay. I believe the uh, smoldering is referencing to smoking mm-hmm. or smoking, which is the nickname of Joe Frazier, I think. Yep. But I'm, I might be getting confused. Smoking Joe Frazier. Oh. No! Uh, no. That didn't do anything for you, Neil? No, I forgot about the other Joe. They yeah. they famously had a rivalry, too, because I think uh, Frazier won the first one, and mm-hmm. then they mixed it up again, and Muhammad Ali won the second one. Yeah. It was Joe Frazier. That is possible. Question three. The Thrilla in Manila was the third and final boxing match between Smoke and Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Which country did this fight take place in? I'm good. It's a geography question. I don't know for sure, but if this is a red herring, I'm going to punch you. I know more about boxing than I thought I did. <laughs> I'm disappointed that I had Frazier and then chickened out. Is yeah. this uh, Ali Bumbaye or is that the George Foreman one? The Rumble in the Jungle. The where Rumble, they, everyone was a, chanting. This is, this is a different one. Oh, okay. Basically, the question is, where is Manila? Yeah, I was just trying to remember which one. <laughs> if you want me to break it down. Manila, where is it? If it's not a red herring, then I'm good. Okay. All right, whatever. I'm in. <laughs> it's in Manila, Kentucky. Is that what you're saying? I would be I would be furious. It's not. <laughs> no, Kentucky. Because uh, it's Georgia. No! <laughs> Ken, why don't you go first? I am pretty sure, but not positive, Manila is in the Philippines. Okay. Mm. That sounds uh, right. Island nation of over 7,000 islands. I went the Philippines. And Neil. I went Kenya, but uh, I know it's wrong. The answer is the Philippines. Manila is the capital. Uh, score check through three, just because I want to see where we're at. Ken has 30. I have 20. And I believe Neil has... I have... Uh, I have zero. Big goose egg. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see if we can get you on the board with question four. Um, in what Madeline L. Engel book do Mrs. What's-It, Mrs. Who, and Miss Witch help the main character navigate the universe going on various adventures? I've definitely read this book. It's a, pretty much a standard high school reading, if I'll give you guys that clue. So think back. Oh, standard high school reading? High school. It was somewhere around that age. 
Interesting. Ken's a super genius. He probably read it in fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. In his advanced reading class. Mrs. Who? Mrs. What's it? All right. I'm in. All right. Uh, Jeff, what did you have? Um, I know I've definitely read this book. I, I can't remember what it is. I'm going to take a stab and say Bridge to Terabithia. Okay. Uh, Neil? That sounds good. Phantom Tollbooth. All right. I had no idea, so I put the Holy Bible. All right, and this is actually the first book in the A Wrinkle in Time series. Ah, uh, oh, I, they're making that movie. Yeah, Ava DuVernay. Yeah. Okay. If I made, I did I, see the trailer for that. If I had a movie clue in there, maybe that would have helped. No, no, I should have remembered that. I've definitely read both of those books. I, yeah, I could tell you the so, whole cast so that of the movie. Does not happen in the Bible. <laughs> I read, I read I both of these books in seventh grade. So forgive me for mixing them up. All right, uh, on to question five. Our listeners submitted a question. Uh, today's question is from Triviality Superfan David Ruffetto. Uh, he's flooding our inbox with questions, and we love it. Uh, uh, thanks, man. So he writes to me specifically because he knows that I enjoy sports, and you guys don't as much. Who is the NBA's all-time leader in block shots? I'm in. Okay. I'm putting down a basketball player. That's okay. a good start. I'm in. All right, Neil, what would you say? Dikembe Mutombo. Okay. I put Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, I definitely did not put that down, and I put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All right. No points around. The answer is actually Hakeem Olajuwon. Oh, it oh, is Hakeem. You guys are uh, both between Dikembe and Hakeem? Yeah. I think Dikembe is more known for the block shots, mostly for the finger wagging. Thanks, also, Geico. Also, the Snickers commercial, <laughs> yeah. where he just stuffs the guy. Yeah. I think if Hakeem had some kind of gesture after blocking shots, maybe more people would know this answer. Crap, it is Hakeem. He won a championship, right, with the Rockets? Or with someone? He did. He won two titles with the Rockets uh, when Michael Jordan decided to take a little break from basketball for reasons. Well, I don't know any of these people that you're talking about. (laughs) Question six. This ship, named after a U.S. capital city, was sunk in 1945, leading to the greatest single loss of life at sea from a single ship in the history of the U.S. Navy. Okay, I'm in. Same here. Just trying to think of ships named after capitals. I've got ships named after people and ships named after states, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to get through to capitals. You have a 1 in 50 chance if you wanted to take a guess. This is a brutal one, apparently. Well, so, okay. Here, I do know some famous ships from World War II. I'm okay. just trying to think through them. So the USS Arizona is famously the one that was sunk in 41 in Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to that. It's a very lovely uh, monument or memorial if you ever get the chance to go out there. Um they also have the USS Missouri parked next to it. It's an interesting, not coincidence, I'm sure, because that's the ship on which they signed the treaty for VJ uh, Day, the treaty with Japan to end the war. Um, and there's like a little plaque showing where the, the generals had signed. So um, they're only a few hundred yards away from each other. So it's nice. You can kind of get some parody start to end of the war. Um, but obviously those are both. Um, one was sunk in 41. One was never sunk. And they're both named after states. Um, yeah, I've got a... I've got an answer, but I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Why don't we start with Jeff after deliberate, much deliberation? Uh, I said it's the uh, USS Annapolis. Okay. Neil? Um, I took um, a um, satellite course um, on the East Coast uh, from this guy, Professor Quint, um, on the Orca, and uh, he talked about the USS Indianapolis. Okay. I was going to say, if I get this and Neil misses it, after <laughs> subjecting me to the 45-minute scene of Quint talking about the Indiana, uh, Indianapolis and Jaws, uh, 
So I also put Indianapolis. Yeah, the answer is the USS Indianapolis. I haven't seen Jaws. You're very close, Jeff. You just needed a little bit more there. Well, you either have to have seen Jaws or no history. <clears throat> yeah. And I, in this case, I, I didn't either. Yeah, uh, 300 went down with the ship, and up to 900 were left with little food and no water while being circled by sharks without lifeboats. The best part of my answer is Annapolis is not a capital. <laughs> you could watch the uh, the Nicolas Cage film that just came out, USS Indianapolis, that doesn't look look too good. Question seven. Nasher's the dog of what long-running comic character? He's probably not welcome in South Central. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> He's probably not welcome in South Central. This is very unfamiliar to me. It doesn't, uh, it's not ringing any bells. Uh, I, I and I don't like... understand the references, so <laughs> I, I, put an a, I put an answer down. I've said words, but they mean nothing to you. Correct. Excellent. Nasher, it sounds familiar. Um, I just don't understand why, what wouldn't be welcome in South Central. Um, I have an answer that mm -hmm. I will provide. It is definitely wrong. South Central. I'm trying to think if there's like a hip hop reference in there with, um, NWA. So it's my question. So the chances are, yeah, could be. I know. I'm just trying to think. Writing it down, Neil. It's in writing. All right. Jeff. I thought maybe it was a trick, and the dog from Marmaduke is named Nasher, so I said Marmaduke. Okay, Ken? I just went with uh, Fat Albert. All right, well, in South did, Central... Hold on, did Neil? Neil? Yeah, I, I went with Boondocks. Oh. So, right. uh, the more we talked about it, I feel like the character's maybe a cop. Maybe mm -hmm. McGruff, the crime dog or something. Well, I think in South Central, you're often told to not be a menace. Uh, oh, the answer Dennis is Dennis the, the Menace. Mm. Clever. I thought, okay. I thought somebody would get that. No, that... I, I thought of that movie. I just couldn't think of I forgot Dennis the Menace was a comic strip. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Let's try to get a right answer on this one. Um, this one's a little more in Neil's wheelhouse. Um, within three, how many stars are on the Paramount Pictures famous mountain logo? Um, can you guys picture the logo? That's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of them. I can I can picture it, but there's no way I could like count them in my head. Mentally but, count but, them. But, a number just popped into my head for some reason, and I'm just going to stick with it. Okay. Any ideas on this, Jeff? Yeah, I have a I have a strong feeling. Oh, I didn't know uh, Roadhouse was a Paramount picture. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Neil's eyes are desperately searching his room for a Paramount logo. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've been in already. Okay. Every, been... Everybody in then? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll start with Ken. He was in first. So the number that popped into my head was 17, but mm -hmm. I went with uh, 15 to try to fit the range. Okay. Um, I thought it could be somewhere between uh, 12 and 15, or 12 and um, 17, so I put 14 to, to get up to 17 down to 11. Okay. I think you guys are way too low. I think it's uh, around 22. The answer is 22. Wow. <laughs> Neil hits it. Uh, it was actually, the logo originally had 24 stars as a tribute to the then current system of contracts for actors. Uh, Paramount had 24 stars signed. Um, it was reduced to 22 and it says for unknown reasons. So Neil must have known that. So great job, Neil. Dude, where'd, where'd that come from? I don't know. I just, uh, I knew that there, there was a lot and, um, I kind of just imagined there was five on one side, five on the other. And then, um, I could picture more. So I just... <laughs> Basically said 20, and then I put 22 because I thought there could be 25, but I knew I just knew there was at least 20. Cool. Yeah. I didn't realize there was that many. I kind of drew it out on my page and thought that was, you know, somewhere about 17 was, was where I was at. You guys, wait, you guys wait a minute. What's that on your iPhone there, Neil? 
You you searching Paramount logo? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He is not. We we're very trustworthy here. Uh, question nine. In 2017, this video became the first to reach 3 billion views on YouTube, even though the video is missing one of its famous guest stars. A very current question. Okay, I'm in. All right. What do you know about current YouTube? I know the video, but I don't know the title. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm in. Ken and Neil are in. Jeff writing something down. I just can't remember it i'll i'll put in one that's not correct but okay we'll start with jeff who seems disgusted by his question i'm not disgusted i I know the video um i can see the the like the tile logo Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to remember who the artist and the song is um so i went with one that's up there but i'm pretty sure is in second place and i went with size gangnam style okay uh neil I think the guest star you're referring to is they have a version with Justin Bieber, and I put uh, Despacito. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was thinking about Despacito. Despacito uh, is definitely wrong. Let me disavow well, you Des- that Despacito is number one right now in terms of views. Um, but early, a little bit earlier in the year, and this record's being flipped constantly. I think it's called See You Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it has something to do with Paul Walker. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so, so with the with the with the hint that it's missing somebody, I went with "See You Again." Okay. Well, yep. "See You Again" is number two in all time views. "Despacito" it was the first video wow. to reach three billion views. That um, fast? And it's the Spanish language version. It's not the version with Justin Bieber. That song is only like okay. Four I didn't know that old. Justin Bieber was. <laughs> Justin Bieber is on a an ing- Englified version of the song. So. uh my pop music knowledge How? is once again biting me in the ass. I'm, I was ruling that song out because it's only like six months old. Yeah, it was. It oh, was, that's numero uno. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a, a pretty big deal. It reached three billion. That's much unbelievable. Uh, Gangnam Style, I think, is still in the top five. Yeah, uh, it was the it first had like two point six or two point seven. I think it was the first one to reach a billion. Yes, it was. And um, two, I think, as and well. Two. Yeah. Showing the quality of so your, people's music. Your hint taste. actually messed me up. But that took that <laughs> took years. Poor Paul Walker, right? Yeah, people people watch that video quite a bit. No, I thought that I was thinking it was the Wiz Khalifa video. I had no idea. All right, question. I'm surprised I even knew that the title is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty good poll, to be honest. Uh, you guys all named the pretty much the top. I, I three knew the, I knew the the full story, <laughs> but I couldn't uh, pick the right one. All right, we're going to mercifully end round one uh, with question 10. This term referring to a man who recklessly seduces women was originally used in the Spanish Golden Age novel Don Quixote. I really wanted to ask a Don Quixote question. I didn't know which which to use. So. Recklessly pursues women, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Seduces women. Seduces women. Not okay. just pursues. I believe the answer is Neil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. in. Yeah. You guys are in? Yeah. Jeff's thinking. I'm having a terrible round. <laughs> it is non uh, it is not uh Don in Indianapolis, Jeff. No. <laughs> Don Annapolis. Poor Terry Gilliam can never finish the Don Quixote movie he wants. I'm good. You're that, in? That's that's his windmill. Yeah, that is his windmill, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how that would play out. Um probably in uh four three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's so, an aspect ratio joke <laughs> for the listeners. Very niche audience. Yeah, that sorry, sorry there are that. no listeners left at this point. <laughs> All right, uh, Neil, what did you say? 
for some reason, the uh, Johnny Depp uh, movie poster of him on the beach and Don Juan showed up in my face, but mm-hmm. I didn't put that as the answer. I, I put uh, Casanova. Okay. I also almost put Don Juan, but went with Casanova. All right. I put Rico Suave. <laughs> the answer, <laughs> nice, nice work. The answer is actually Lothario. Ooh, oh, yeah. Okay. That's, a, that's a good one. Um, so that was the name of one of the characters in the book, and afterwards it became kind of a stock character in a lot of English works portraying basically yeah. the same character. Right. Okay, that makes sense too, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a good word. So I, I didn't think of that something. one. Yeah. So what are you guys' scores after round one? I, I am most likely in last place with 30 points. Okay. I'm rocking a big 40. Mm-hmm. No, you are not in last place. I have 20. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see if maybe we can make up some ground here in the swing round. Uh, today, the game is going to be called Reading Rainbow. These are all going to be classic books with the color in the title. I'll tell you a little bit about the book. And you guys uh, tell me the title of the book. They're each going to be worth five points each. Um, so I'll just start by reading the descriptions and you write down the the name of the book and we'll go from there sure how many total are we doing all right there will be 10 total all right you guys ready yes Yes, sir all right number one this nathaniel hawthorne book was the subject of a modern day adaptation starring emma stone Mm. cool um number two this 1982 book set in rural 1930s georgia won the 1983 pulitzer prize for fiction cool Number three, this book series originally started out as Twilight fan fiction written under the pen name Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. Jesus. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Number four, this 1962 dystopian novel is narrated by Alex as it explores his interactions with state authorities intent on reforming him. Doing pretty good so far, I think. That one I'll have to think on. Number five. This 1996 Stephen King novel may be more known for its movie adaptation at this point. Not sure about that one yet, but uh, hopefully it'll come to me. Number six. This 1877 novel is written as an autobiographical memoir from the viewpoint of the titular character about kindness and cruelty and sympathy towards all living creatures, not just humans. All right, number seven. This 1906 Jack London novel was adapted to the big screen in 1991 starring Ethan Hawke. All right, number eight. This Dr. Seuss book actually fulfills the category twice, and it rules out the other one. Yep. Clever. Yeah. Number nine. This C.S. Lewis novel is the fourth, depending on the order you read them, in a fanciful series beloved by Scholastic Club kids everywhere. And number ten. This 1981 novel follows FBI profiler Will Graham, who comes out of retirement to investigate a serial killer nicknamed the Tooth Fairy, who is murdering entire families. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. 
To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so six of these I think I'm good on. Mm-hmm. Having trouble with a few of these. Uh, specifically I, the Stephen King. One. I also have six for sure. He's a 1962 dystopian Alex novel. dystopian. Mm-hmm. I'm almost. I've got it down oh, to I two writers. One. I got that one. I'll trade you that one for this. <laughs> no, nope, that's not how this works. <laughs> I'll give you the answer if you want. If you give me that answer, that's fine. I'll give you a six if you give me that. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a first. With some bartering going on. <laughs> some cheating. What's I the point of that? Yeah, it's, it's only five points. It's okay. Um, all right, that's fine. Right, looks I'll like stop. everybody's in. Uh, what did you guys have for one? Neil. Scarlet Letter. Okay. Scarlet Letter. They marked her with an A. Scarlet Letter. All right. Points all around for number one. Uh, Number two, uh, Ken. I went with the color purple. Okay. I too went the color purple. Same here. All right. Two for two. I think uh, number three, you guys had two. What did you guys have for three? I'm very excited about this one. Fifty Shades of Grey. You're excited about it? Yeah. (laughs) That I knew it. That I knew it was Twilight fan fiction. That is the point of the book. (laughs) I've not seen it (laughs) or read it. Yeah. How did this get made, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey is correct. Uh, Number four, you guys had some trouble with. Uh, Ken, what did you say? I had no trouble with this one. Mm -hmm. It is Clockwork Orange. Oh. Ah, It is. Jeff, what did you say? Um... I, I couldn't remember, so I wrote um, Animal Farm slash Cat's Cradle slash Fahrenheit 451 slash I don't hear a color in there. <laughs> Turns out there are no colors in any yeah. of those that I'd written down. Neil, what did you say? I, I put 1984, but, and I've read this Clock of Orange, too, and I should have known that. Yeah, I thought that you'd have that based have that. on... That's a pretty big film. Stop being yeah. such a droog. <laughs> yeah, the Alex. I didn't think about Alex. All right. Uh, number five, Neil, you said you had... Green Mile. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. I feel. I'm so mad. What'd you have? I, I just put uh, yellow fever. Okay. I put it. <laughs> That's not a color. <laughs> also not a color. A lot of people don't know Green Mile is actually a Stephen King novel. Totally forgot oh, about man. that. I, I knew that. Uh, feel dumb. All right. That's bothersome. Number six also had some debate. Pretty uh, sure I'm. I've Jeff got this seemed one. Seem confident. What'd you say, Jeff? I said the uh, picture of Dorian Gray. Okay. Oh. Um, hmm. I went with uh, the Golden Compass. Okay. I went with the Red Badge of Courage. Uh, what if I said that the titular character was a horse? Oh, Black Beauty. Black Beauty. Black Beauty. Oh. Is actually written from the viewpoint of Black Beauty. Hmm. Horses can't write. <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> well, it doesn't, despite the fact that it's a book. So that's what it's it fic- is. It's fiction. It, it is fiction. Yeah. So it wasn't actually autobiographical. I wonder where they got the wax to keep that book together. Maybe maybe the horse wrote the book the same way the the diving bell and the butterfly guy did. <laughs> I just dictated with, it with, like with Mr. Hoof, Ed. Yeah. With or the guy stops. on um, Breaking Bad who rings the bell. <laughs> that's what it was. All right. Number seven. Uh, Ken, what did you say? White Fang. Okay. Jeff. White Fang. White Fang. White Fang is correct. Uh, number eight. Uh, Neil. Uh, one fish, two fish, red fish, red fish, blue fish. Okay. Same. One fish, two fish, red fish, that blue fish. That is correct. Uh, green eggs and ham would not count because it only had one color in the title. Um, number nine, I'm interested to see what you guys said. Uh, Neil? I, I put Prince Caspian and the golden chair. Okay. I said the red wedding. All right. I said the magician's apprentice. Well, when you not said color. you said there's a chair involved, that is correct. The answer is the silver chair. Oh, uh, the grunge band. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Number ten. I feel pretty confident. You guys uh, got Ken. No, I. No. I, I. 
I was blanking on this. I just put uh, Black Dog. Okay. Jeff? No, go to Neil. Oh, go I don't know. I put Red Dragon. Okay. I too put Red Dragon. It's Red Dragon. Oh. It's Hannibal Lecter. Man. It's disappointing, Ken. That, <laughs> thank you, television show Hannibal, for... <laughs> Oh, I watched that too. <laughs> <laughs> because they well, made, I only like watched a, whole, a couple of them. A couple there's of a couple them. story arcs that talk about that, but also they talk about uh, Will Graham all the time as Will Graham at the FBI. I just got it from the, uh, um, the Ray movie. Fine from where he goes ride with me. Yeah, yeah, the movie. <laughs> all right, uh, what are you guys' scores after the swing round? I'm up to seventy. All right, uh, I have sixty. Okay, I added thirty, going to fifty. All right, so pretty competitive game so far. Uh, let's see if we can keep that going into round two. Uh, question one. In the classic song, Living on a Prayer, what were the occupations of Johnny and Gina? I'm in. Okay. Okay, I am in. Ken and Neil are in. Jeff going over the song in his head, I assume. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what Bon Jovi says. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab at what I think it sounds like because I I'm not hearing it clearly in my head. All right, uh, what are you hearing in your head, Jeff? Um, so I know that Johnny works down on the docks. I think he's a dock worker, mm-hmm. and I want to say that um, she works in a diner all day. So I said she's a waitress. Okay. I mean, Johnny can still be like a, a gigolo down at the docks. Yeah. Who says he's like hauling? <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> Neil. Are you looking for both occupations? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I wasn't sure if you were being cutesy because the one line is that they're work- he's working for the man. So, but mm. I put he's a dock worker and then waitress. Okay. I put uh, Gina is a high-powered uh, Wall Street executive. <laughs> and Johnny is the front man for a really shitty 80s rock band. <laughs> well, points for Jeff and Neil there. Uh, Johnny used to work on the docks. He's unemployed. Union but... went on strike. Yeah. He's we're... down on his luck. It's so tough. Uh, Gina works the diner all day. That's what I thought he said, but I wasn't sure. I was like, she works in Medina all day? I don't know. She's a caddy. Yeah, if she was a high-powered executive, it wouldn't matter if Johnny got laid off. They'd be fine. But it was the 80s, and and females didn't get the rights they deserved. She had the shoulder pads, and she was hanging out. You know, I figured the lyric was something typical like that, but I didn't want to to feed that that stereotype. What's the name of his his arena football team? Uh, He... It's... It's the Philly team, isn't yeah, it? The Philly Soul, is that it? I can't remember. But Who, Bon Jovi? Bon yeah, Jovi yeah. owns a... Isn't he from New Jersey? He owns the Philadelphia... The, uh, the Steel Horses? Yeah, we'll we'll look it up. Because uh, a guy my... God, dad, I hate him. My dad used to work with was in the Bon Not Jovi a cover person. band. I'm sure as a person he's fine, but... Uh, bon Jovi? God, I hate that. I, I don't know if he's fine. Just he's a decent band. actor, though. I'm sorry hate that you're band. not a 50-year-old woman who's swooning right now. <laughs> what has he been a decent actor in? He's been in a lot of stuff. Um, he um, was good in uh, New Year's Day... New Year's Eve, excuse me. He so, was, how uh, are you talking? As a, as a clarification, <laughs> let's Neil, move on. Let's move being on. in a lot of movies does not make you a good actor. <laughs> for a musician, he's a good actor. If for you want that qualifier, he, he, he played a musician on stage for, for quite a few years. It's Philadelphia Soul. All right. I was right about a sports question. What do you know? Moving on to question two. The Indonesian delicacy known as saute is often served in sauce made of soy and this ingredient. Okay. I'm good. Okay. I'm pretty sure that you've had saute at some point in time. All right. I'm in. Okay. Yeah, why not? All right. Ken was in first. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is like a kebab, like meat on a stick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the sauce is soy and like peanut okay. sauce. 
Jeff? I didn't know. I guess something regionally. I went wasabi. Okay. I put mustard. And the answer is peanut sauce. Hmm. Uh, yeah, saute is kind of generally like a kebab that's in kind of a peanut sauce. It's actually, they do it at Thai food places and a lot of places that serve that type of delicacy. If I had a joke answer, it would have been... Shout out to uh, Pick Me Up Cafe. <laughs> they do a nice saute in there. Ch- Chicago. Question three. In a hypothetical game of bowling, you have bowled all strikes up until your last roll. The pressure gets to you and you roll it straight down the gutter. What is your final score? Uh, I don't know anything about bowling, but I'm in. Uh, no bowlers here? I don't know how the score multiplies. I think... Uh, I think you add all, for every consecutive strike. It might be that you add the previous ones in. I don't, I don't know. I'm in. There's some intense mathing going on at the table. No, not intense. I was <laughs> leisurely. Just it's taking bowling. A, just taking a step. <laughs> okay, I have a guess. All right, uh, Neil. I think you were in first. What did you say? Uh, I took. I took a wild guess. I went with the uh, the Eisenhower uh, Highway here in Chicago. I put uh, 290. Okay. Went with uh, 200. All right. So I know it's basically 30 per frame, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And the last one, you throw three balls. So if you get three strikes, that's 30. I went 290. All right. The answer is the Eisenhower 290. Point. I just guessed because 300 is a perfect score, right? Right. Okay. So I was minus right. 10. I figured I figured. But if you missed a... in an, a frame earlier than 10, it would be basically a 30-point hit if you gutter ball twice. Yeah, it would it would throw it way off, so I didn't want to do that. I figured that there would, there's, that there's a multiplier... For each consecutive strike or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so the, the way it works is when a strike is bowled, the bowler gets a score of 10, and then he gets to add the total of his next two rolls to the frame. So that's how you get 30 per frame. Oh, okay. So if you miss the last one, you just miss out on the 10 points. Hmm. Gotcha. Making it 290. Cool. Uh, que- I did not know. <laughs> I did not know that. Question four. While many may not know it, millions have played the Japanese game Doki Doki Panic. They may be more familiar with the re-sprited American version released as this. Does this sound familiar to anybody? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. It's a little. It's a pretty famous bit of video game trivia. Doki Doki Panic. Correct. And I could even give you guys an arrow. I got it. You got uh, it. No, I got it. <laughs> I'll take an arrow. Yeah, I could throw that in there. I got it. So. It's I up to Ken. Decline. No, decline. No, go ahead. Decline the it. clue. Uh, it's early Nintendo. Yeah, I know. I just have to settle on a, <laughs> a title. So that helps Neil and, and you guys are already in. So. No, I'm not in, but I, I yeah. already knew what it was. Yeah. What I'm re- referencing. Yeah. Okay. I have a guess. Why don't we hear that answer? Uh, Ken, what did you say? All right. So Mario 2. Okay. Jeff? Uh, I went Donkey Kong. Oh. Neil? I went Duck Hunter. It is Mario 2. Uh, so the Japanese version of Super Mario 2 was deemed too hard for American audience, and this version was sent instead. Um, if you guys had uh, Mario All-Stars, if you played the Lost Levels, that is actually the original version of Super Mario 2. Hmm. Um, I mean, it, I knew it was a reference to Donkey Kong. Is Donkey Kong in Mario 2? No. Yeah, this is why Mario 2 is like a whole different game than any other Mario yeah. that was ever released. That's where Birdo, Birdo. and some of those other characters <laughs> come from. <laughs> All right, so right now Jeff Jeff is referencing a song by Horse the Band, which I know Matt knows. That's about it. I know, and Jeff knows. I don't think Neil knows it, but throw. Uh, maybe we'll throw a clip at the end of the at the end of the. Episode. You should all download the Pizza EP. It's actually yeah, it's pretty great. They they were on tour um, and they got to stop in Chicago and actually canceled the rest of their tour and wrote an entire album about Chicago pizza. There you go. Which is and pretty- and they wrote an entire song about Birdo. <laughs> so check them out, Horse the Band. 
Uh, I never thought I'd be able to plug them on anything ever. <laughs> so here we are. Shout out to Horse the Band if you're listening. Come uh, do a lay it on me. Yeah, on pizza. Uh, all right, we'll move on to question five. What color is the hat in the back of Bruce Springsteen's pocket on the Born in the USA cover? That's that's just uh, his ass and like like a little bit over tight jeans, right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm having <laughs> trouble getting it out of my head now. <laughs> something I was clearly searching on the internet and it just popped up. So. Okay, I'm in. All right, Neil's in. Ken's in. Wearing these blue jeans. <laughs> Jeff is in. Yep. All right, uh, Jeff. What'd you say? I went red. Okay. Neil? Yeah, I was between blue or red. I just went red. Same here. And it is red. His lucky red hat. Well, I figured you got to go blue jeans, red hat, and a white t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Red, white, and blue. It's very American. Uh, question six. Cleveland Rocks, the second theme song used by the Drew Carey Show, was fittingly performed by this group as the band's namesake counts eight men from Ohio amongst its ranks. Oh, gotcha. I like this. Jeff really likes this question. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know at all. Eight but men from Ohio. I wrote something. For some reason, I'm thinking bare naked ladies, but I feel like they're Canadian. <laughs> they are a. There are eight men who were bare naked ladies. They they definitely are. There's also only five in the group at any one moment. Plus, Four currently, and they're Canadian. Plus the Sorry. one guy. They do the. Sorry, Stephen Page. What do you call it? Uh, You're thinking of Big, Big Bang Big Theory. Bang, yeah. Theme yeah. Song. yeah. Do they? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. All right, I have an answer. It's wrong. <laughs> all right. Uh, everyone else in? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what did you say? Well, I don't know for sure, but the clue is pretty strong. I know that there were eight presidents of the United States mm. who came from Ohio, so I said the presidents of the United States. Ken? Uh, I just went off the fact that uh, Joe Walsh was a guest star on the show and went Eagles. Mm-hmm. Neil? That was, that was a good guess by Jeff. I just went Blues Traveler. The answer is the presidents of the United States. Uh, so William Henry Harrison, Ulysses S. Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, James A. Garfield, Benjamin Harrison, William McKinley, William H. Taft, and Warren G. Harding all called Ohio home at some point. So fun fact, I was going to have this as a question. After Virginia, the state uh, with the second most presidents is Ohio, and it's the um, first most out of the original 13 mm-hmm. colonies. Huh. Okay. What's the other presidency of the United States song that people would know? Is that Peaches. 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 Which yeah, we were talking the, about a few weeks ago. Or yeah, Lump. It's the one when we Lump. had Leon that was stuck in my head all day. I'm surprised that uh, that song was uh, presidency of the United States. It doesn't sound like uh, Lump or Peaches at all. Yeah. Well, there you go. Question seven. What breed of dog was McGruff the crime dog? Oh, hey. <laughs> a little throwback, apparently. Uh, all right. I'm going to regret changing my answer which I did, but uh, I'm going to stick with my new answer. Ken is in. Uh, Jeff? I feel like if you're a good proper crime dog, you better be a bloodhound. Okay. Neil? I figured that his ears weren't long enough, but I just put bloodhound. And? I was about to put that, and I put uh, Great Dane. Should have stuck with bloodhound. The answer is bloodhound. You know, I, I have trouble with dog breeds, Neil. <laughs> the reoccurring thing here. Um, Sorry, your mom would never let you have one. Yeah, well, she she loves my sister's dog now, so that's the important thing. She came around. Question eight. In 2017, this person was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame despite never playing a single game in Major League Baseball. What year? 2017. It happened this year. I'm in. You know this one, Neil? Yep. Surprisingly. <laughs> okay. I have a guess. It might be stupid, but... I have a stupid guess. All right. Stupid guesses need the most attention. Jeff, what do you think? I want Harry Carey. Okay. Oh, yeah. Ken? Probably. 
I went with uh, Ronnie Woo Woo. Oh, I wish it was Ronnie Woo Woo. Neil, what do you think? Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, radio man, Vince Scully. It's actually Homer Simpson. Oh. Homer Simpson to honor the 25th anniversary of the season two classic Homer at the Are Bat. Are you kidding me? He is actually in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, I, uh, I'm glad nobody else got that with their much better answers. <laughs> Wait, when, is, when was Vince Scully inducted? 2016? I feel like he was. Because if it was 2017, he also did not play a game of baseball. That is true. Okay, so uh, non-Chicago listeners, uh, I said Ronnie Woo Woo as my answer. Uh, this is probably not familiar to uh, most non-Chicago people. Ronnie Woo Woo uh, hangs around uh, Wrigleyville. He's always in a Cubs uniform, and he screams Woo Woo at the fans. He's a wonderful human being. Yeah. Any, I, anything you want to add to that? Matt? I have a picture with Ronnie Woo Woo. He just <laughs> he he walks up and down the aisles of games, just going Cubs Woo Cubs Woo for the entire game. Wasn't yeah, he banned? I thought he was just banned. He's a he's a local celebrity. No, he's more of a mascot now at this oh. point. Uh, Vince Scully was um, elected into the Hall of Fame, but you were thirty five years short. Uh, it was nineteen eighty two was when he was. Oh, oh wow! I wonder what he just got. He just got an award for something. I don't know what it was for, but uh, who knows. I'm not going to do that much more research on this. No, one. I'm just talking about uh, talking out loud. All right, sounds good. Uh, question nine: Within within one year, what year did Twitter launch? Okay, I'm in. Twitter, the preferred platform of our president's communications. Jeez, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. So that's also our preferred method. Yeah. Please engage with us. All right, I'm in. All right. I, I guess I'm in. Uh, Ken, you were in first. Uh, just what was, uh, 2010. Okay. Jeff? 2011? I went 2006. And Neil hits it on the head at oh 2006. That's way earlier than it. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it's been around for actually quite a bit of time. <laughs> it's actually changed hands, I think, a couple times at this point. Uh, nobody can figure out how to make money off it, but they have millions and millions of users. Including us at Triviality Pod. This whole round for me, it's been correct, incorrect, correct, incorrect. So uh, by that logic, uh, number 10, I will get incorrect. I'm just calling it. I feel like you'll do pretty okay on this one. Uh, This one goes out to Ken, actually. Thank you. Uh, According to a 1970s song by The Animals, where is the House of the Rising Sun? Oh, got it. I believe Ken's a big fan of the song. It was we've discussed on previous occasions. We discussed how uh, too many people cover it. And why would you want to cover it? Mm-hmm. Hey, and Ken, they're great. Don't let me be misunderstood. Uh. <laughs> okay. Neil's in? Mm-hmm. Everybody in? Yep. Yeah. Let's see if Neil can keep his trend going. I just put Japan. Okay. It's uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. There is a house in New Orleans. Yep. They call it the Rising Sun. It is New Orleans. All right. So what are the scores going into the final round? That round put me up to 110. Okay. It wasn't necessarily a very good round for me. <laughs> so doing three times better than I did in round one, I am at 110. Okay. And I am at 110 as well. Wow. Oh, boy. All right. So we're all tied up going into the final round. Uh, I will give the five categories uh, for our contestants. They could wager 0 to 30 on each category up to the points that they have accumulated so far. Um, you guys ready to hear the categories? Let's do yep. it. Yep. All right. Uh, the first category is science terminology. Category two, product placement. Category three, movie collectibles. Category four, baby talk. 
And category five, the sweet stuff. All right, so all the wagers are locked in. So starting with your first category, science terminology. Desynchronosis is more commonly referred to as this. John Madden probably never experienced it. So uh, I don't understand the John Madden thing, which has hurt me, I'm sure, because the, the bells went off in these guys' heads, it looked like, with that. So I got the reference. I, I couldn't tell you what it means, but I just took a guess. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Uh, question two in product placement. What product placement do the movies Men in Black and Top Gun have in common? All right, question three in movie collectibles. In 1996, the U.S. Postal Service released a set of classic movie monster collectible stamps. Name these five monsters. I know Neil's a big fan of these uh, classic movie monsters. That's correct. I think they're still working on the classic movie monster universe. and uh, It's probably going to tank now after how Mummy performed. Yeah. That's a shame. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would have gotten that one. All right, question four, baby talk. What is a baby guinea pig called? And question five, the sweet stuff. In the 1960s, company founders of McKee Foods decided to name a product after one of their sweet four-year-old granddaughters. What was this product line named? Cool. There's uh, there's an overlap in my uh, in my movie monsters. I wrote six down. There's, dun dun dun. <laughs> there's uh, two very similar movie monsters that I wrote down. Do you, do you know what I mean, Neil? Yes, I do. I think I'm set. All right, Jeff is all in. Neil, are you still thinking about a couple? Water, sugar, water. Reach water. That's a good reference. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah, the show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. 
All right, so everybody is locked in. On question one, we had wagers of Ken with 10, Neil with zero, and Jeff with 30. Uh, let's start with Jeff. So John Madden owns an RV, and he drives it all over the country because he absolutely hates to fly. Mm-hmm. So I would take a stab that desynchronosis is jet lag. Okay. Ugh. Ken, what did you say? Yeah, that sounds right, but I just went with heart arrhythmia because I have no idea. Okay, Neil? I just put autopilot because I knew he didn't like planes because you said he wouldn't experience it, but I couldn't think of something. Yep, it is jet lag. So desynchronosis is when your body clock gets out of whack with what you're used to, and it can result in jet lag. Uh, John Madden had the Madden Cruiser, which was like this like giant bus that he would drive around in, and it was kind of a, a pretty big thing in the mid-90s. What a, what a hellish life that he, is. He refused to fly. He would never get on an airplane. All right, question two in product placement. Uh, Ken, the big wager here with 20, Neil uh, being conservative with zero, and Jeff with 10. Uh, Ken, what did you say? Yeah, I hope I can pull this one out. I don't know. I just pictured uh, Pepsi being okay. in there. Neil? Oh, um, I, I don't think this is correct, but um, I believe both Will Smith uh, and Tim Lee Jones' glasses were Ray-Ban and also the aviators that, uh, oh. that Maverick and Goose wore. That makes perfect sense. Yes. I want always Coca-Cola. Uh, it's Ray-Bans. Uh, That's a good guess. Very uh, prominent in the Will Smith rap song, Men in Black. Got the black Ray-Bans on. Uh, but actually, after both movies, sales of Ray-Bans rose about 40%. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I should have thought of that. All right, question three. Uh, the only person putting any points on it was Ken with 10. Uh, what did you say? All right, so got to turn to Neil here. He knows his movie monsters, if nothing else. So Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. Dracula, Wolfman, the mummy. And I was so torn, and it was like 50-50 decision between Swamp Thing and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Not sure which is the universal movie monster. I went with Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay, uh, Jeff? I stalled out after four. I did Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, and mummy. And Neil? So uh, I believe I had a reprints of these stamps when I was a kid, and there's kind of a trick in there. So Ken is correct. Creature from the Black Lagoon is a universal monster, but I believe the stamps that actually came out, if, if it, they were the ones that I had, were uh, Lon Chaney Jr. is the Wolfman, because you guys asked. Bela Lugosi is Dracula. Boris Karloff is both Frankenstein's monster and the mummy, and Lon Chaney Sr. as the Phantom of the Opera. And Neil is absolutely correct on that. I was one. thinking of Phantom of the Opera. So who who there was no Dracula? Is that what you said? There was there was Dracula, yeah. yeah. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. But you said he was right with Creature of the Black Lagoon. I just said that it is a he universal, is universal monster. Oh, got it. But he, he just wasn't, wasn't on, on the stamp. stamp. Got it. Oh, yeah. so there's no way I could have No. Okay. I thought you were gonna go I thought when you said two similar ones, a lot of people think Bride of Frankenstein would have been in there too. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't I was thinking about Phantom of the Opera, but uh yeah, he's the lesser known of the movie monsters, but I, I, I knew that. I knew he was in there. I thought Creature from the Black Lagoon would be in there. He was not. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question four. Uh, nobody felt confident in any baby talk, uh, but Ken, what did you say? I said uh, pup. Okay. I said gimlet. Um, so I said a, a baby guinea pig is a new guinea. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Not bad. That's cute. And their father would be the Papa New Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> also quite clever uh the answer is pup uh oh really yeah it's right damn <laughs> the one you bet zero i nailed uh so baby hamsters otters sharks are all called pups there's there's actually quite a few animals that are called pups as babies all right question five uh in the sweet stuff we had ken with 10 jeff with 10 and neil 
Ben zero across the board on this one. Not feeling too confident. Well, I just uh, I figured this game was unorthodox for me, and I never bet zero across the board, so I figured, eh, what the hell. All right. Uh, Jeff, what did you say? So I had narrowed it down. I believe the question said product line. Mm-hmm. So originally I had thought maybe Lorna Dune, but I settled into Little Debbie. Neil, what did you say? I said Little Debbie. And oh. Ken. No, I was thinking of the candy uh, Mary Jane. The answer is Little Debbie. Ouch. Man, I could have had 180 if I would have actually bet points. All right. And after the final round, a kind of a brutal final round for Ken there, uh, coming in third place with 60 points. Uh, Neil in second with 110. And our cream of the crop today is Jeff with 140. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. Congratulations, Jeff. How do you feel today? Exhausted. Yeah. You you weren't feeling too good after the first round, but I think that w- the first round with twenty points was my lowest round uh, to date. So yeah, I felt a bit uh, fit, <laughs> felt a bit beat up on. All right, and that will conclude our game today. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to play along with our contestants, make sure to check out our Facebook page and download our official Triviality Score Sheet, uh, the one we use right here in the studio. If you'd like to get in touch with any of us, find us on Twitter using the handle at TrivialityPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrivialityPodcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us by email, send all messages to TrivialityPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and if it's in question five, uh, just make sure to put that in the subject line. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, other than spreading the word, the best way you can support the show is by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Triviality on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget we're on our uh, path to 50. We're trying to get to 50 reviews. So if you guys want to submit reviews, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, we'd love to get your feedback. And once we get to 50, we'll be raffling off uh, some prizes to 10 listeners. So we'll... Uh, once we get there, we'll engage with you guys, reach out, um, and try and see if we can't get those to you. And as always, make sure to check out patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast to check out our perks. We're going to be reshuffling them in the coming weeks here with uh, new goals and uh, new perks that you guys can get for donating monthly. So uh, make sure to stay on top of that. We'll let you know uh, what we change. Patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. All right. Thanks, you guys. And until next game, on behalf of Jeff, Neil, and Ken, my name is Matt, and that was Triviality. Triviality.